Welcome back. Richard, it's good to see you this morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. A little cold, but good to be here. It is. It is cold. Um, and, you know, today we are going to talk about a topic that is a little bit foreign to both of us. It is indeed. It's a new one. Yes, um, it's, it's new and it's um, but it's very interesting. And, you know, artificial intelligence, we're going to talk about chat GPT, uh, but artificial intelligence has been it has been within the realms of psychology for a long time. Right. Um, you know, psychologists have always been very interested in in artificial intelligence and because intelligence in general is within, um, you know, uh, the wheelhouse of a lot of psychologists. We, we do intellectual assessments. We, we think about how intelligence and cognitive skills affect a person's functioning um, and learning abilities and things like that. And so artificial intelligence mm -hmm. has certainly been something that that psychologists have used in their research, but ChatGPT, um, a newer form of uh, a newer, I guess, product um, right. it, within the range of, of artificial intelligence, it's a new beast. And it's, this is this is really really new. Is, yeah, this is this is really new, um, and this promises to to um, have a pretty could potentially have a very profound effect on the way we do things um, across uh, fields, whether it's business or industry or customer service, um, um, education. Um, this chat GPT is, um, you know, a few articles have appeared mm -hmm. and we thought it was time to take a closer look uh, at this form of artificial intelligence. That, that's all this is, is sort of the next generation of artificial intelligence. Right. Chat GPT. GPT stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. Yeah. And this is where I start to lose um, my way because it is a type of chat bot. Yes. Chat B-O-T. And I thought, okay, now what is a chat bot? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a chat bot is a computer program that's built or designed to, to simulate conversation with human users. Um, it doesn't just obey commands. You know, we we all are familiar with technology that right. uh, obeys commands, um, but this actually generates conversation. Right. And this is the whole idea of you can talk to a computer, mm -hmm. and it will talk back to you. Okay. Right. Very different. Um, so the, there are. The idea is that, I mean, we've all made those phone calls, those really frustrating phone calls where you get a recording, mm. that's, you know, that tells you all these things. But as you've, you know, in more recent years, those um, have gone from, they've transitioned from, you know, press one for this or press two for that to um, what is it that you're calling about? And then you answer with your voice and it, pulls um, things that you say to guide you in different directions. Um, it, it's what we have seen so far isn't really a conversation as much as it is just um, some automated responses to whatever it is that you're saying. And you can, you can see that um, again, you, you, no matter what you say, mm, I'm not sure what you mean about that. Can you right. say, you know, and it will repeat the question. Right. Um, but it's not a conversation. Um, no, it's it's more like a decision tree. Right. Know? It'll say, "What what's the purpose of your call?" Say, "Pay my bill." Well, then the program takes you to that part of the discussion. So you're not talking about anything else. You're talking about pay my bill. 
Right. But it's a, but it's a decision tree. Right. The difference with this is that it actually can create language and it can right. respond to your questions um, using a language-based program. Right. It, it will respond with novel content um, right. as opposed to pre-recorded or prescribed content. It mm -hmm. will generate content. And, and that, uh, again, that takes us into a very different realm of uh, experience when it comes to artificial intelligence. That's right. So when we talk about AI, there are really two types of AI. Mm -hmm. One is one is weak and one is strong. So weak AI or narrow AI. These are programs that are trained to do a specific task. And we're familiar with those uh, Siri, Alexa, yeah. uh, Watson, the uh, IBM program that played chess or Deep Blue that can compete you know, things like Jeopardy. These are programs that are built to serve a specific purpose, uh, but they're actually just responding to a specific question or they respond to a specific task. The other type of AI is strong AI, and there are two types of strong AI. One is artificial general intelligence, and the other is artificial superintelligence. Superintelligence is what everybody's worried about. Those are computers that are smarter than people. And the, and the best example of that is from 2001, a space odyssey where we had the computer HAL and HAL started to disobey the users. He, he started to, and he took over the spaceship, refused to close the doors. That technology is in its infancy. Right. We don't really have any practical applications of super uh, artificial intelligence. However, we do have artificial general intelligence, mm -hmm. and that is those are machines that can converse. I don't, it, it's, people write about this as saying a machine that is, intel, is as intelligent as a human. Um, I, I think that's a bit of a misnomer. I think what we're talking about is a machine that can converse using language with a human. And it can right. generate, it can generate language, but it's only generating language. It's, it's really not generating thought. It's really not making um, unique or novel decisions, but it right. is putting together conversations. Right. Because what it does, and, and even ChatGPT does, is it, it pulls from information. Now, of course, these types of programs are going to get stronger and stronger because as, right. as things like the Internet continue to grow exponentially, right. all of that content... Um, especially the 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 written word, the the language based um, content, it can pull from all of that. Um, right. And so, you know, you can develop this program. Where clearly they have developed this program that can go out and 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 collect all this information. And so, when you ask it a question um, or you say something to it, it can pull um, words out of what you've said and very quickly because the processing speed is incredibly fast, you can pull information from the internet to assemble a response. Right. That is, again, it's a, a, maybe a novel response. It, it's only based upon the information that it collects from the internet. And so, yeah, when we, when we talk about it only being as smart as a human, what we're saying is that it's collecting information that humans created, that, that humans right. generated. Mm -hmm. um, it's not creating information that humans haven't yet created. That's, that's right. But, you know, it, it makes, the internet is, va it's a vast universe of information. 
in language format. Okay. Okay. So you have all this information. What ChatGPT does when you ask it a question, it goes onto the internet and gathers this vast amount of information. The difference is it can it can answer a question in conversational ways. Right. It, right. It, it, it builds a language-based response right. to a question, but it's only gathering the information that's already on the internet. Right. You know, back in the 90s, I was, I was teaching at the University of Texas and we were having a discussion about students just wanted to go to the internet to get to do research. Okay. Right. And we kept saying, it's all the information you need isn't on the internet. You have to go to the library and look stuff up right. because, well, now it's, it's all out there. Okay. In the past generation, since the nineties, now the internet does contain all that vast amount of information. Okay. And so what this, what these programs do is they jump to the internet, gather the information and bring it back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so as we look at this and trying to gather some information, because, you know, we've, like everyone else, we've heard about this uh, chat, GPT, you know, looking around, and we, we found an article, um, as we often do find an article in uh, Psychology Today, uh, the yeah. link will be in the show notes, but it's written by um, Mike Brooks, and he's a psychologist in, in Austin. And, and he's writing about, you know, chat GPT. And, and the, the subtitle is, is it the beginning of the end? Um, and, and I think a lot of people are worried about this because, um, especially in certain fields, people are really worried about this. And I think that the worry is is justified. I think that I think that there is some cause to be worried about some of this. It, it could be the beginning of the end of some things. And we're right. going to talk about that in a second, because um, Brooks, in this article, he sort of explains all this stuff and, and talks about GPT will create original content. It uses uh, a type of AI, uh, artificial intelligence, known as natural language processing. Mm -hmm. um, the English language has a logical structure to it. Right. And what, what the, com the computer knows that structure and it knows to put words in a certain order, okay? Right. And so it uses that natural language processing, okay? The difference is it can interact with you as if it was a person. Right. And so you could ask it to write something for you and it will generate a paragraph or a paper. Right. And, and part of some of the, some of the, um, interviews that I've heard uh, where people have talked about their experience with ChatGPT, um, they have said, you know, they they, they asked it to write a um, an an essay or a, a book chapter that mm -hmm. you know that pulls from these types of um, sources that is written in this type of um, you know in this general tone, and um, within a few seconds, it can generate significant amounts of content that's really difficult to tell who wrote it whether the original author wrote it or if it was um you know that you can't tell that it was computer generated yeah uh, you could yeah you could ask it to write i want a college level essay on some aspect of shakespeare you could also ask it to write a children's book yeah and it will it will do what whatever level you want you know, right. I want a high school level paper. I want a elementary level. I want something typically written by a fourth grader mm -hmm. on this topic. 
and it'll write it as a fourth grader would write it. Right. Okay. And so you can see immediately what the implications are just in education. Right. Okay. Now this is, and that's what we're going to mainly talk about today is education. Um, I thought of some psychological applications of this and it is sort of frightening, you know, when you think about what you could do with this. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, so the author of the, of the article, he, 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 he says, you know, we've been fussing and worrying about TikTok and, and all these other social right. issues. And suddenly there, there's an 800 pound gorilla in the room that we didn't even see coming. Right. Um, it, it arrived in November of 2022. Right. You know, it's right. like two months old. Right. And nobody knew it was it just suddenly it appeared. And now we're dealing with this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so, and, you know, it, it's developed by open AI and, you know, you can still develop a, create a, a free account and, and use the, use the software um, or the, the application. And again, you know, it's really concerning to think about that, especially those of us who teach at the college level or even high school level, where right. we're asking students to generate original content mm-hmm. that, um, <clears throat> you know, that, that they, that they develop um, mm-hmm. or that they create and, and write. And, and this, here's a program that can, can do it for them. Um, mm-hmm. They could have access to it. And now I don't know how it relates or how it would work if you put it through some of the programs that we have for looking at like plagiarism and things right. like that. But if, if that GPT is creating, you know, original text. Right. It, you wouldn't pick it up. Right. Right. And so Brooks calls this, he said, he said, it's like having a personal omniscient digital assistant. Yeah. Um, and he said, it would be like having the most intelligent person in the world sitting beside you. Right. He calls it a PODA, P-O-D-A, personal omniscient digital assistant. You can ask it anything, any question at all, and it'll go out there and gather the information mm-hmm. and write a, a story, write a a paper, write a thesis, a, a, a research paper about it, okay? Now, as with other technologies, it promises to make our life easier because it. What, what the developers are saying is that it will take over these repetitive, mm-hmm. boring tasks that we're doing. <laughs> and, um, and that would free us up to do more creative problem solving and innovation and all that stuff. But... As we learned with email, it promised to make life easier. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, we're all complaining about how much time we have to spend answering emails. Okay, right. so so there is a um, we talk about unintended consequences, and and there are bound to be some unintended consequences with this. Right. Um, this technology, I think, what everybody's saying about it is, it does have the capacity to be a major disruptor. Mm-hmm. Um, it can radically change many things that we currently do, okay? And if you think for a moment about you have Siri or Alexa and you give it a command, imagine if you could have a conversation with Alexa, okay? If if Alexa, if that voice talks back to you. Now, Bernie, I didn't know this, but there's a movie called Her. Yep. You probably know about it. Mm -hmm. And And a guy, he actually falls in love with his cell phone or with... With with, yeah, yeah, but it, it's and there there have actually been a, a number of movies and programs r- related to this. Um, 
but it's the idea of you know artificial intelligence becoming so um intelligent so so intelligent so consistent with human interaction right that you can that you forget that it's a, a machine that you forget that it's actually you know not a person that you're talking to that it's a you know you and you start to interact with it as though it is another person and it and it and it's trained to talk to you mm -hmm. okay it, it it adapts to you your syntax and your accent and your vocabulary right okay? so if you're talking to it as a graduate student that's one thing if you're talking to it as a 10th grader it talks to you as a 10th grader it right. adjusts to you your syntax and semantics and that's part of why it's referred to as artificial intelligence or intelligence specifically because it is constantly learning right um, it's picking up in in you know the more that you edit the more that you like you said the more that you talk to it the more it understands and the more it learns from you to become more similar to you and again that's how like in shows like her and um, other movies that that line between what's right and what's not human becomes blurry because um the more that it becomes like you the more that it can communicate in the way that you communicate the more difficult it's going to be for you to remember that it's you know right that it is a machine and you know that this brings up the topic of sentient s-e-n-t-i-e-n-t -E -E there's, there's a big discussion now with computers is are they sentient are do they have emotions mm -hmm. and at this point it really doesn't matter um, we don't have to get to sentient because we're already at a place where this thing is communicating to us very much like a person yeah. so th there's another danger out there that has nothing to do with whether they can generate feelings or whether it's emotional or not we endow it with that emotion we're, we're giving it emotion that's what that's what the movie her, her is about it doesn't have the, the program doesn't have to be sentient we're endowing it with anthropomorphic qualities you know right. we're, we're treating siri like a real person right okay yeah. we already were doing that yeah and, and I, so when it again when it comes to chat gpt and we and we've kind of talked about the concerns even from an educational perspective from you know elementary even through even elementary through graduate school you know right. If you can have a program create an essay for you or write a paper for you, right. um, you know, it's going to get back to why should a person use their time to do that? You know, you started out by saying, you know, it, it, we can use this kind of um, these kinds of programs to do those kinds of tasks so that we can do more creative things. So that, we, And, you know, it, it makes me think about what has happened to handwriting, you know? Right. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Schools rarely teach handwriting anymore. They don't teach penmanship. There, is, right. um, there, is a, there are a lot of memes and, and, and jokes about, you know, if you want to communicate with your, right. with your partner and you don't want your kids to know what you're talking about, <laughs> write it in cursive. They don't learn cursive anymore. That's right, um, it's not it, a It just looks like another language. Um, right because everything's typed and, and, and everything now. And so are we going to get to a point where, okay, we really don't have to think about writing anymore. Um, you know, you can get, um, you know, this chat, uh, chat bot right. to, to write the paper for you. And all you have to do is go in and edit it, you know, make sure right. the grammar's right and that it's written in your style, um, mm -hmm. which is far easier than generating the ideas and all yourself. Um, you know, Bernie, when you were in graduate school, when you were in graduate school, 
and you studied statistics, did the professors say, well, you really need to learn to do this by hand, even though we have computers, we yeah. want you to learn how to do it by hand so that you have some deeper understanding. Yeah. Right? Do yeah. they do that anymore? Yeah, I, I did when I was in graduate school. We, we, you know, we spent a lot of time doing everything by hand. And then, you know, of course, then we, we learned the program and it's like, my gosh, we, that was so much easier than what we did. But yes, you, you had to, to, to understand the relationship between the different variables right. in content. Um, but I don't know that it's taught any, I don't know that we make students do that anymore. Yeah, I don't know. And then same with the multiplication tables, you know, Mm -hmm. should, should kids memorize the multiplication tables? We have calculators, we have watches that, you know, you can calculate. Is is there any value in, in memorize, taking time to learn the multiplication tables when you have a calculator that can do it quickly? Um, and it, and it goes all the way back to Socrates, (laughs) Socrates was opposed to teaching children how to read. Right. He said, well, if they know how to read, why would they memorize anything? Because in his day, the value was memorization. Right. That was the educational standard. You had to be able to memorize things. And he said, my goodness, if they can read, well, they're not, they're going to stop memorizing. Okay. So, so we see this fear with each technology starting 2000 years ago with Socrates, and we see it currently with penmanship, right. you know, um, learning how to write cursive. Right. Um, why write cursive if you can put it on a keyboard? Okay. And so, but this, this technology, at least what people are saying, has a different threat or a different feel. Mm-hmm. People are really concerned about what it could mean at least in educational circles, what it could mean to their whole writing process. Why would anybody learn how to write if a machine can do it better? Well, I, I think that the, the the biggest concern, in my mind at least, mm-hmm. uh, and at least at, at this level of my knowledge about the whole process and everything, my concern is, as we talked about from the very beginning of this podcast, mm-hmm. these programs only pull from what's available. That's right. It doesn't generate new ideas. And so... Um, so when you're writing, you and I have talked about before, at least between the two of us, you know, mm-hmm. one of the most important reasons to write is that it makes you think about how you're communicating things, but it also generates new ideas. If you really want to understand something, write about it, because right. that, that puts you in a situation where you, you really have to understand what you're writing about, and it generates new ideas and it generates new thoughts. Well, if you have a program writing it and that program is just pulling from what's already available, there's no new ideas being created. Right. There's That's no new correct. connections mm-hmm. being made. And so we start getting to a place where, yes, we have lots of really nice papers being written, but there's nothing new coming out of anything being created. Right. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the, the biggest concern because I think that, you know, we already have an issue with not really valuing critical thinking. And, and that kind of uh, thing as much as we should. And mm-hmm. this is going to sort of take, this could potentially take it then to another level where not only are we not critically thinking, but even when we're writing and having to, and would presumably be in a position where we have to think more expansively, right. we're not, we don't do that because we're just having something else write it. Because we don't need to, and you're right, that, that the issue is that the creative aspect of this that any of these computer programs currently 
Now this, this we're not talking about supercomputers that might someday have that capacity. But given our level of technology, given today's technology, all we can do is extract what's on the internet and mm -hmm. put it into reasonable prose that, right. that's readable, okay? And it will respond to our, it's responding to our request. Um, so the issue then becomes, this is another one of those cases where is technology outpacing biology? Right. Um, there's there used to be an um, the idea that tech what was it technology doubles every two years or something, something like that and now it's like every six months mm -hmm. um, that um, it's outpacing and, and Brooks in his article talks about Martin Luther King saying we have um, we now have um, missiles that how did he put it we now have um, uh, guided missiles but misguided humans. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and those two, and we do our technology far outweighs uh, our biological um, and especially our moral mm -hmm. compasses. Um, we have a technology that um, that in the wrong hands um, could be could be a potential uh, problem. So th th this this technology, this whole generative, the ability to generate language, um, holds much promise but it also contains within it some dangers, some threats. Right. Uh, certainly, it has the potential to change the way we're doing things, Right. at least in education. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that that, you know, given what you were just saying, um, it, it's very likely that, you know, a couple of weeks after we post this podcast, there will be some changes with it and you know suddenly it, you know it can do some new things that that right. um you know that it can do right now as we sit here today um or that it learns uh some other aspects of of communicating and and generating that um that it can't do right now and it happens so fast mm -hmm. that you know that it is difficult to keep up and, and uh, again i think that the concern from a um, sort of a moralistic perspective is so is it is all of this becoming available faster than we can decide whether or not it should be available right right I mean it's um, going to be I think kids are already writing I think there are students already writing papers using chat GPT and turning those papers in right I think it's already here right okay. right so again, it's, it's available and and out there before we even realize that whether or not it should be available, <laughs> yeah. or or how how we should deal with it. I mean, it's going to take it could take months or years for universities, for example, to develop policies mm -hmm. related to Chat GPT as it exists today. Well, two years from now, it's going to be complete completely different, right? And 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 probably much improved. Um, I guess <clears throat> it's possible for everybody to build their own right. program, right? right? I mean, that's exactly. my understanding is that you can exactly. go to the internet and take, you know, Google it and take eight quick steps to build a, your own chat GPT and start yeah. using it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's available. And, and, and again, we see it on websites and we see it um, on phone calls and, and things like that. And so 
it, it is here. It, it's not, it, as we've talked about so many other things, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's here and it's going to be, we're going to be interacting with it and it's going to have an influence. And it's just important that we are aware of it and, and just cognizant of the potential implications of it so that we can make decisions that, um, you know, that are in our best interest and is going to suit, you know, especially those people who use it in, in ways that maybe aren't the best ways to use it. Right. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that this morning that, you know, newspaper are people who write newspaper articles. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this would be a boon to them. I mean, they just, they'd have, they'd have it written. The columns would be written for them. Okay. Right. And then you could just edit it and turn it in. Um, but I also think of, um, you know, one of the problems we're dealing with with teenagers is uh, going on the internet to get uh, to see if they have a diagnosis or not. So they go mm-hmm. to TikTok and imagine going to this and having a conversation about your symptoms right. and how much information would be generated. You know, what are the symptoms of ADHD and, you know, or bipolar disorder? And it will generate an entire uh, explanation that then a person, you know, what would that person do with that information? You know, absolutely. So you can think of all kinds of ways that it could it could change the way we do things in medicine and education and law, you know, um, yeah. in newspaper reporting, magazine articles. You know, it, yeah. it, could, it could have a significant effect. Uh, absolutely. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll talk about yeah. it when, when as we learn more things about it. But, um, you know, do inform yourself and, and make yourself aware of what this is and, and some of those potential implications. Right. Yep. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Until next that's time. it for January. That is it for January. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last next, one. Next week will be our, our first, first uh, weekend of the second month. So. Correct. All mm-hmm. right. Until then, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.